So I'm Farron Morgan. Uh, I'm a well ex-British soldier. I finished my last day in the army this week, actually. So now I'm a veteran. Um, I've had a great career in the army. I've been a Queen's Guard, a King's Guard, a paratrooper, and a physical training instructor for the Colston Guards, which is the oldest regiment in the British Army. Um, so I've had a great career. Mainly, my career is mainly revolved around fitness. So I've helped a lot of soldiers get fit. That's what I've loved about my role. Um, I'm also a, a land sergeant. So the equivalent to that is a corporal. Um, so a section commander. So I'd have like a section of men, around seven to eight men, uh, and they'd follow me everywhere. That's kind of uh, what I've been doing for the past nine years. Um, since uh, my time in the army, I've also set up my own business uh, called The Tactical Athlete. And that helps people join the army, join the police. Uh, and that's not just in the UK, that's also all over the world. So I help them pass entrance tests uh, all over the world. Uh, and demanding courses, which has been kind of why I've left the army to have more time helping people do those things. Um, because as you're well aware, running a business and being in the military, is, they're both very time consuming, as well as having a family. Uh, I had a little boy two years ago, so I've got a little boy and I had two jobs. Uh, so I decided to go with my, my passion, um, which is helping people get into Uniform services, it's not just the army and the police, it's the, the fire service and it's kind of like the Navy, Marines, anything like that. That's awesome. So is your coaching in kind of like a mixture of the physical aspect and also some tactical stuff as well? No, so I only coach like the mental side of it um, and the physical side. So the majority of it is physical. Um, I'll just make sure that we have got those tests uh, nailed down so that when they go and do them, hopefully they're the best. Um, and not just uh, scraping through. Okay, well, let's uh, let's deviate from our notes I just mentioned, and uh, I want to talk about the mental the mental fortitude side of doing hard things because obviously you have a lot of experience doing that um, in the military and then coaching people as well. So, like, how do you even train your mind for such a, a large undertaking? Because, like, for me personally, I've never been in the military, and I have family members that have, but like, I can't even fathom, like. I don't know, suffering so much with keeping your head on your shoulders and not just kind of losing your mind. Like, How do you train your, your brain for something difficult? I think you've, personally, for me, I think you've got to have that vision. I think once you've got a vision in your brain, you know where you want to be, you know where you are now, you can kind of get your head in that space. And I think for me, whenever I've been in a difficult place, whether that be in a race, whether that be in the military, I always think about kind of where I want to be. Um, I know that if I don't kind of put myself and go through the hardship, I'm never actually going to get to where I want to be. And I think that's the same with repetition, like mental repetition, physical repetition. You just got to keep completing the task at hand. One more minute, 10 more minutes, one more hour. And then before you know it, you've, you've either reached the finish line or you've reached your goal, um, hopefully in one piece. That's kind of the way that I break it down, just minute by minute, um, hour by hour. Yeah, I think it's a, like a really good strategy for, for long things. Because I personally, I don't have any data to back it up, but I don't think your brain can really fathom doing these things that are maybe um, a little esoteric or maybe just out there. Like maybe like it's two years away a goal or something. But if you break it down into little segments, you can easily digest it and keep moving forward towards that goal, right? Which is exactly what I do on the programming for the guys, because some of them have never even kind of uh, lifted a bit of weight. They've never kind of been in the gym. They've never been in that environment where... They've got to train five days a week at an hour of time. So we just, we get those six months, like you say, or a year or two years down the line when they want to hit that goal. 
It's a long way to look forward. So you have to break it down into little manageable goals for those sort of people or everyone. You know, it's nice to hit little mini goals along the way to your to your main goal. Um, but also making sure that you're staying kind of focused as well. Um, because if you, you're looking two years ahead, you're like, I've got plenty of time. But as you well know, uh, if you race, um, they come up and bite you and they come up quick. So you need to make sure that you stay focused and stay on task. <laughs> Definitely. I would 100% agree with that. So um, being based here in the US, um, I, I learned about you from Calm and Tess, and I know we've exchanged a few emails and stuff, but it seems like you're you're into rucking. Is is that a correct uh, assessment here? <laughs> yeah, so we call it rucking uh, over the world, but we also call it in the British Army, we call it tabbing. So it's called a tactical advance to battle. That's what we call it in the British Army. Um, rucking is kind of a something that's a term that's well known across the world. Uh, but yeah, I do love carrying weight. It's probably one of my favorite things to do. Um, I love putting a backpack on. Uh, for those people that aren't aware of what rucking is, it's it's something that you do. Anybody can do it. You can just put a pack on it, put a pack on your back, like a, a day sack or a bag, put some weight in it and then walk. That's it. Um, and the great thing about that is it's a great full body workout. Um, you can do it at any age um, and kind of you can increase the intensity either by speed um, or by adding weight. So you can the harder you want to train, you can either get faster or add weight. So you can, uh, there's, there's numerous ways of obviously making that more challenging for yourself, which is why I like it. Um, and like you said there, like say with, with the G to G, it's, you, you're carrying your kit for, throughout. So I think that's going to be like a, a great thing for me because I, I love carrying weight. Um, but also kind of when you do carry that weight and I get this problem a lot with people is they don't pack their kit correctly. And that's going to be another big thing for people that have never carried weight before is weight distribution. And carrying that kit correctly where is the weight is it in the bottom is it to one side are you going to be running lopsided for 50 miles at a time or even if if you're if you if you've carried one water bottle on your on your hydration um, vest you can massively see a difference let alone if you've got 10 20 30 kilos um in your pack yeah definitely it's interesting how like packing your bag can impact your day so much like if you pack it in properly like you're saying like Maybe like 100 grams on this side of the pack more cadets after 100, 200 miles could definitely affect like how your body feels and maybe even lead to an injury or even just massive discomfort while you're out there. Yeah, because your body's going to be uh, overcompensating in a different way. So you could be, I don't know, if you're leaning to the left, that's it, you're going to get a problem with your left side of your body or even your right side of your body, sorry. So you could get a niggle anywhere. And that's the last thing you want um, when you're doing long distance. And you've got to do it repeatedly so it's not just like okay i've just got to get to the end of this one run you've got to do it on multiple days yeah you definitely don't want to wake up with a uh, some pain in your right hip or something no you want to wake up fresh at least for the first couple and then you can kind of just like you said there with the mental training you need to get up and be like well i've done i've done a day or i've done an hour or i've done two days i've only got four days to go and kind of then just break it down hour by hour try and hit the checkpoints try and hit each little 100 meter marker, you know, there's going to be certain things. Aim, aim for the nighttime so you can see that beautiful sky at night or aim for the day so you can see the sunrise. There's always going to be these little things in your mind that you need to kind of say to yourself, what do I want to see next? Yeah, definitely. Like recently I did a, a multiple day FKT where I rode and, and ran quite a bit. And it was it was fun to break it down like just by days. Like, okay, like in this many hours is sunset and then it's nighttime and it's almost like a whole new environment. And then you start looking to the sunrise. It's like, okay, two hours from now is sunrise. And then the sun comes up and it's like, oh, it's a brand new day. It's just a good mental shift uh, for your brain, I think. 
Yeah, and then the heat hits and you're like, I want it to be nighttime again. But then when it's nighttime, <laughs> it's cold and you want it to be day again. That's like a, a cycle. That's, that's the cycle, isn't it? And that's that's what you enjoy about it. And from what I've read uh, about G2G and from what I've kind of researched and spoke to people, because I've spoke to people on the Facebook group that specifically for the race and uh, the, the community from what I've seen is, is phenomenal. I mean, people, cause I've got no experience in running this sort of distance. I've done multiple marathons before, but I've never gone probably the 30 mile mark. 30 miles is probably the most I've gone. And I'm going to be doing that on multiple days. So I can do a marathon probably without any kind of just with a little water bottle and maybe a couple of gels. I can probably just go and do that and then be about my day the next day. But when you know you've got to kind of pack your sleeping system, you've got to pack your food for all every day. You've got to basically get everything bang on kind of and your nutrition's got to be spot on because for one day, if you get that gut right, I don't know if you've ever had it before, but if you're having too many gels, you get a bit poorly in the stomach. You can probably get through that for one day, but I know I keep going on about it, but for those multiple days, uh, it's going to be difficult. So having the people there that have done it before and learning from their mistakes is, is kind of invaluable. And from what I hear, like there's a lot of people that do struggle on the race. Um, hopefully it's not me. Hopefully I train well and I'm strong uh, and one of the top front runners. But um, I know there'll be hard points. And from what I hear, they, they everyone helps each other out, especially when you cross that line and you help each other with your bags and kind of maybe you need a bit of help repacking or getting some food out initially because you're so kind of um, drawn out from the day. Then there are all people there to help you. And from what I hear as well, the people are great. You have your campfires and kind of you have your own little kind of crew in your room. Because I know that when each stage you do get a point to uh, have a rest um, at the end of the day, if you make it, um, and then kind of reset, realign, um, and then re-engage for the next morning. Yeah, the community aspect is, I think, one of the coolest parts of, of the event. Like last week, we um, did a podcast with Gary McKee. He's from the UK as well. And um, we, we spoke a lot about that and just how cool it is that you get to basically meet like strangers and you spend a week with them and you become friends because you do something hard with them and you all suffer a little bit together. And then it's like, as the days roll on, you become closer and closer to these people and everyone helps each other. And it's really cool to see the, like the evolution, I guess, of that over the course of the week. I'll be honest with you, that a lot of what I just said there is kind of what I learned on that podcast with Gary. I, some of the stuff he said where he said kind of when you get over the finish line, everyone's there to support you, whether you, if you need it or not. Some need it more than others, which is going to be understandable. Uh, but people are there for each other. And I think that's really nice because... Like he said there, he kind of had another family um, outside of his own family because, like you say, I've got a family. Um, that I'll be leaving in the UK um, and, and it's quite a distance away. So for having that week away, because you've got to come and have a bit of acclimatization and there may be a little period after where you need to try and sort your administration out, kind of maybe like a 10-day kind of period uh, where you won't see your family. So it's nice to have that kind of that warm uh, arm around the shoulder sometimes when you need a bit of support. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's um, let's jump back a little bit um, before we start talking about community and family. Um, you were you were kind of talking about well, when we we're talking about rucking and carrying weight, and it made me think about how like Grand to Grand is so different than just a pure running race because you can do a stage race where maybe you can just carry two handheld bottles and you have all your stuff for you at the finish line every day. But Grand to Grand is a lot different where you're for the most part most people are doing it. So self-supported so they're carrying all their gear with them along the way so it's not just a running race or just carrying stuff it's a, a combination of both so so i guess why is that interesting to you to be able to to carry this weight through the desert while running so this is the biggest thing that really intrigued me and made me want to do the race it was the carrying the kit um and it was also kind of can i administrate myself uh, properly throughout this race 
um, because it is down to you on the way that the mainly the comfort of the race. Um, so this is what jumped out at me. Me, firstly, me leaving the military kind of worked perfect for me. Me leaving basically this week has given me good, a long, a, a plenty of time to train. Firstly, for it, I'll have a lot of time because you've got to put a lot of hours on your legs. So I thought this is a perfect time for me to take on this challenge. Um, so that was like one of the first things there is like kind of, and with my extensive kind of military background uh, of carrying kit and programming people to carry kit, kind of, I want to put myself to the test here um, and really kind of see how how well I can do or how well I think I can do. Because I think I'm a good athlete, you know, um, but I kind of like, I've never really trained for something for so long. Um, my things that I train for, like I can train for a marathon, I don't know, from zero in probably, I don't know, two to three months and get an, an okay time, you know, but this is going to take to do decent and basically have a good time on it. It's probably going to take you around a year um, of good, solid training to get there. So that was a big, big plus for me. It's just kind of like using my experience of, of carrying the weight and kind of and getting amongst it on G2G because it's a very technical race in the fact that you've got to make sure that you carry the correct nutrition. You've got to make sure you pack your bag correctly because um, if you don't have enough food then what you're going to do like kind of i think there's a minimum calorie goal of is it 2800 calories i believe so not off the top of my head i can't tell you but i, it so. I know that, i know that it's not it's not a lot of calories considering you could be running for um i don't know 30 to 50 hours uh th sorry 30 sorry 30 to 50 miles um so yeah it's kind of really intrigued me the thought of can i actually do this because like you say i've, I've run multiple marathons but as you well know they're only like 26 odd miles so this is going to be a big challenge for me personally as well to see if I can um, do well at it not just complete it I have every um, faith in myself to actually complete it but I actually want to go uh, and complete it in a good time definitely so have you thought about uh, your nutritional strategy for this race then like knowing that you're not going to have the ideal amount of calories you normally consume this is a tough part for me because I'm massively into strength training. I'm a bit of a bigger lad. I'm, I'm a bit of a bigger lad. Um, I'm probably at the moment around 92 kilos, um, which is, is quite, I think I have to lose probably, I think my optimal running weight is probably around 82, 83 kilos. So I've probably got to lose about 10 kilos um, nutrition wise. And I think what I'm going to do is, is drop it slowly over the years. So I've got plenty of time. Um, but then nutrition strategy, I had my first kind of, first run, uh, long run the other day. I say long run, it's three hours. So it's not as long as some of the runs that I've kind of programmed in for February, which are about eight hours. So I'm uh, kind of building it up nice and slow. Well, I say slow, it's quite quick, but it's slow in the, when you think about it. Um, so I, I tried uh, a little bit of a nutrition strategy, but I'm, I'm a long way away from getting it right, I can tell you that. Um, I was trying to eat on the move while I was running. Um, it didn't really work. I think I've actually got a slow it down because i'm used to trying to run at fast paces i need to slow it down and actually start walking and enjoy and savor it like if i've got a banana stop and just eat the banana you know not just try and run and eat it on the move because them few seconds them 30 seconds are not going to hurt me in the long run um so i need to start thinking about that sort of thing because i'm used to trying to run just run like don't think about that and i know a lot of people have said kind of you need to have those walks and those stops um and it's all about kind of figuring out where you to do it but Nutrition strategy is not there yet. I'll put my hands up, uh, but I'm working on it. I need to stay away from, um, at the minute I'm going for the easy options like the gels and things, but I've been reading up a lot um, and that's the wrong way to go because they're heavy apparently. So I need to try and keep it the weight down. So um, dehydrated stuff, fruit, um, dehydrated fruit, things like that. I'm going to be trialing those over the next 
probably eight to 12 weeks and hopefully get it bang on. If I can't, then I'm going to be asking one of you guys to uh, give me a steer, which I'll probably be asking you anyway over the Christmas period when it gets a bit longer to give me a better steer in the way of, of the nutrition. But like you say, everyone's different, but it's good to have a bit, a bit of a steer. Definitely. I um, The other day I was speaking to a friend who does long distance bikepacking races and um, we were talking about how like to win a race like that, it's not just to be the best rider. There's a lot of logistical concerns. And so same thing with Grand to Grand, like you may not be the fastest runner out there, but if you're able to reduce your pack weight and recover properly every day and pace yourself appropriately, then you can actually win a race like this. Because even though maybe your 50K time is slower than whoever you're competing against that day, like they may not have their kit dialed down. They may not be able to do that same pace for the next day and the next day. So like what you're saying of taking your time and maybe walking a little bit or just make sure you're in that like zone two pace, like seems very appropriate for a stage race like this. Yeah. And like you said, it, it's, uh, it's when you look, the more you look into it, the more I look into it, it's very technical. So like you say, you're carrying your food, you're carrying your, your sleeping system, you're carrying your warm kit. Like what do you take? If you take, if even if your warm kit, like your jacket is too big, that could take up a lot of space. So you've got to even, and then you've got to even think of where you're going to put your kit. So are you going to put your food at the bottom? Are you going to put your, then you're going to put, you've got to make sure that you know where everything is so you can easily access it. So you need to make sure that everything's labeled up day one, day two, day three. And then is it going to be, is it going to have your warm kit above your food? Because you know, you're going to put your warm kit on before you eat, not, not when you get back into camp, you know, little things like that. And making sure I've got those little things dialed down and when I need them um, for the actual day. But I think yeah, it's very, very technical. Um, for anyone that doesn't even know about, obviously, the grand to grand, you do carry your food, your sleeping system, um, and, and you also kind of carry uh, your kit, anything that you need, you need to carry because no one's there to give you it. Um, the only thing that you do get uh, help with uh, at the stage is uh, water, isn't it? That's the only thing that you get, and a little bit of an aid if you need, if you've got um, an injury or something or, or something that's coming on. Yeah, exactly. You get water, and then there, there'll be a medic there at each checkpoint. and yeah, they might clean up your blisters and stuff, but for the most part, you're pretty self-sufficient while you're out there. And, and that's another thing that I really, really like as well, because I, I love being outdoors. And I spoke about previously, it reminds me of a lot of outdoors, reminds me of a uh, time with my uh, granddad, where we used to go out kind of um, early mornings and we used to be outdoors, whether that be shooting, fishing, sports, anything like that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this style of training, because from what I've seen already, in the last, I'm only on week three of training, um, and we've got a long way to go. Like this week already, it's uh, it's Friday now, and I've already put in on week three, uh, 40 miles. So it's it's a lot of like kind of mileage to be outside, but I'm absolutely loving it. Cause it's like making me kind of appreciate how good it is to be outside again. Because like I said to you about my strength training, I don't get me wrong, I love strength training, and I'll still be adding at least two strength sessions in per week on this program. But kind of getting out of that kind of environment where it's just you're in a building it's kind of like you've got your heating on you're in like a real like safe environment um and then from to running 13 miles or 20 miles that way and having to run 20 miles back this way it's a little bit of a less safer environment and you can go and see and run on different terrain if you like and kind of like test your body which is great i love it yeah i would agree with that like going to the gym is fun and um it's definitely enjoyable to I don't know, I guess for me personally, I like to see like the, the numbers change. Like, okay, I'm getting stronger here, stronger here, weaker here. But then going outside is just so different. It feels very like natural and primal. And so you're out there doing something that is hard and you're maybe you're suffering and uncomfortable a little bit, but it's also very enjoyable. And I think it kind of awakens 
something that we've lost in modern day society where we're just always glued to our phones and computers. And once we go out and we're just kind of disconnected, it's like uh, your brain just kind of lights up. Which is another thing which really uh, I love about the G2G is kind of that, that disconnect. So with me being in the military, a lot of it is done via phone now. So you've got all these WhatsApp groups. You've probably got loads yourself. There's probably 10 WhatsApp groups in the military. And then I've got my business that I run from laptop and phone. So just getting away from that, even for a short period, I know that it's going to be, it's great for you, for your mental kind of side of, of yourself as well, you know, having that, have that digital detox. Um, and that's something that really kind of, um, I'm really looking forward to, you know, um, it looks at some of the pictures of the desert in the evenings, especially, um, it looks phenomenal. Um, so I'm really looking forward to kind of like just, just sitting there, no phone, no work, um, and just relaxing and enjoying that part of it and making sure that I do actually kind of enjoy that rather than, uh, using a device. Definitely. And like, it's pretty incredible to be in some of these locations where like just the scenery is very stunning, but then you're out there with people that are doing the same hard thing as you. And it's just quiet. You can hear the coyotes, you can hear the birds, you can hear the crickets. And there's just so much you get to take in and just live in the moment versus thinking about like, oh, I got these work emails or I'm going to be on Instagram or whatever. It's just like doom scrolling. Like, you yeah. just literally live in the moment with your friends and just enjoy being a human. And like we said earlier, like the, the challenge for me is going to be the biggest thing and it's something to aim for. And I think that's a big thing for anyone in anyone's life. If you haven't got something to aim for, whether that be a, a relationship goal, whether that be a business goal, whether that be a fitness goal or uh, anything in between, everybody needs a goal. Everyone needs something to aim for. Um, whether people hit that goal is another thing, but it's kind of like you probably realize sometimes the journey getting there is sometimes the best thing. You know, I mean, some of the, some of the things I've trained for in the past, like, I've got a world record in the past for uh, running with weight, so rucking. And when I was training for it and doing that thing, I think it might be broken now, by the way. So uh, but when I when I did break it, it was a Guinness World Record. And when I did break it, when I was training for it, it was more enjoyable than actually breaking it, you know, because I had that kind of, I've got to, I need to train hard, I need to go for this. Um, so sometimes that, that process is, is more enjoyable than actually the, the end goal. I would agree with that. Like I, I personally really enjoy training. I think it's really fun to have that set schedule and, in the routine to like go out okay i'm gonna run today i'm gonna ride today or lift or whatever and to be honest and this may sound kind of weird but like as i'm tapering for a race or an event and i start running less i kind of i don't enjoy that part like a lot of people do because they get to take a break from whatever they're doing but for me personally i'm like i want to go run i want to go yeah. lift i want to go do things yeah no i agree and that's it you want to basically you want to just continue on the, on the trajectory you're going don't you you know i'm doing really well just let me continue um, which is what I think this is going to set a new kind of fire inside me because being in the military, I've, I've had, don't get me wrong, I've had good time to train. I've, I've, I've been a physical training instructor and stuff. So I've always had kind of time to, to, to get into the gym and do running. But having this sort of time now where I can kind of train for things like this, I think this is really going to like spark something up and make me do a lot more of this. Like just, um, just so you know, I've kind of booked him for at least a marathon or an ultra race every month now up until september next year so i'm going to be going out and i wouldn't say i'm competing but i'm going to go in there and do my long runs like in a competitive environment just to give me that kind of buzz and that's something that i've done like we talked about earlier those mini goals i'm going to set myself i mean you know what you like that i'll probably go best effort when i when i get out there and start racing people but my goal is just to set these little races go in these little races and just stay competitive get in the environment and just build myself up for for going over to the us and the gtg next year 
Yeah, that's a very good tip. I think a lot of people can take away from like what you just said is that like, like we talked about earlier, but having these baby goals, like little goals, like, okay, like sign up for a few 50 Ks or so, and like maybe test your pack, test your nutrition, exactly. test all these things and get it dialed before you're out in the desert. Cause once you're out in, in Utah or in Arizona, you're stuck. You can't change your kit. You can't go buy more food or change your food or maybe get different shoes or something. Like what you bring is, is what you have for the entire week. And if you packed poorly, well, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> That's what I mean. And this is one thing that I will, I will hopefully get bang on because I teach this. But um, like you say, it's, it's, there's a lot of practice involved, especially over this sort of distance, because you can't just come in at night and go back in and be like, oh, I'm going to jump in the bath uh, and get me uh, Theragun out and start massaging my legs. Um, and then just put your, your little balms on that you can put all over your body and have your little your tablets that you've got at home, like your, your uh, cod liver oils or whatever. All of that is extra weight. So you're just really going to want to do it on the most minimal kind of kit list as you can do. Like you say, you're probably going to just have your safety stuff, then you're going to have your food, sleeping system, and a bit of warm kit, and then see you later. Um, enjoy. Yeah, exactly. We don't have all these <laughs> creature comforts out in the desert like you do at home. <laughs> that's, what, that's one thing that I was thinking about. You know, yesterday I, I did my long run, I got in, um, I had a bath, um, and then I got my um, massage gun out. And then I put some CBD oil on my knees. Um, and I had a nice little, I know some nice porridge and I had a protein shake. And all these things, I was like, this is like not what it's about. Like Maybe I could enjoy it for now because I'm just trying to get into the swing of it. But um, on the back end of next year, I'll probably say around February, uh, March, um, that sort of time is when I'll have to just do what I'm, I'm going to try and actually replicate as much as possible as what I'm going to be doing um, on race week. Definitely. Like that specificity, I think is very important for something like this, like trying to replicate the terrain as much as you can replicate the, the kid as much as you can, even like the mental fortitude to a certain extent. But I like, guess thinking of like the, the mental thing, like why do you think it's, it's important to do hard things that don't have a guaranteed outcome? Like I think a lot personally in society, we we've been kind of conditioned to just do things where we know like, Oh, I, if I, if I sign up for this, I will finish and I will get some sort of medal. Whereas like grand to grand, like there's a high possibility you may not finish and it's just, it's hard. Yeah. Well, I think for me personally, it's uh, having that kind of, that thought of maybe you, you won't finish it. It's like being put out of your comfort zone, you know? Uh, and I've every single time, whether that be a demanding course um, in, in the army or something like that, like for example, P company where you go and become an airborne soldier that's one of the, the hardest courses in the British Army to do. And I, I passed that course first time. And when I went on to that, that was the same again. You just filled with doubt. Am I going to pass it? You've got all, all your peers around you. Everyone's competing for a place. You've got to put in 100%. Your nerves, nerves is probably one of the biggest things because nerves kill your energy. Um, so you need to try. And you, there's no way to really train for it because it's different every time. There's tests to train for. But the actual day or the, the conditions could be hot, could be cold, whatever time of year you go, you can't really train for that. Um, so I think for me, it's being put out of your comfort zone um, is where you grow. That's kind of where I've always found that I've grown is going out of my comfort zone, whether that be something physically um, or even in uh, life as well. Like when it came to uh, business, set up my own business, um, that was kind of like, is it going to work? Or is it going to fail? Um, you've got two choices. But if you never try, then you're never going to know. And this is one thing that I'll, I'm not going to fail. I'm, I'm going to finish this race. I'm going to finish it in a great time, just so you know. But if I don't, if, if something happens, then I will be back. And that's, that's kind of the, the, the mind frame that I've got, that if I don't complete something, 
touch wood, uh, I've completed everything that I've ever done. Um, whether that be crawling on hands and knees or finishing strong, um, I will finish it. But if I don't, then I've got that mind frame to come back and attack it again um, with better training or, or a covered body. Yeah, it's interesting like you say that and like it's a very positive thing. It's interesting how in society like like people are pretty and this is me just kind of like I don't know, talking I guess off the cuff, but it seems like a lot of people are afraid to fail and it's simply because of like some sort of shame or embarrassment of like, oh I signed up for something hard and I didn't do it. But like your outlook on it is completely different where instead of just thinking of it as a shameful thing, it's like, okay, this is what I did wrong and how can I improve for the next time because I'm gonna do this. Yeah, and some things happen. There's variables. Um, there's very like you could go out onto just for an example. You could go onto the BFG. You could get bitten by something, and then you could be like ill. So then you think, well, do I am I a failure because I was bitten by by an animal, or or because you got I don't know if you got severely dehydrated through no fault of your own really. Like I don't know, maybe your hat wasn't down your back enough, and you got sunburn, and it got it got severe. There's loads of little things. I mean, you can kind of minimize those um things going wrong but in the end anything can go wrong there's lots of variables uh, in this world so i think the takeaway point is for everyone if you're thinking about doing something is just to go and do it i think that's the hardest part of we spoke about earlier it's cold in the uk at the moment probably half the people in the uk are thinking i'm not running i'm not going up my trainers i'm going out there when it's minus minus two minus three i'm going to go into the gym and i'm going to be in a safe environment that's the best time to go out there and get cold and you soon warm up when you're running so just kind of like the takeaway point is just to make sure you put yourself in that environment where you're pushing yourself whether you fail or, or you do well definitely and like, thinking about the cold um i think right now in Kanab, where the race is based out of they're getting some snow so even though it's Are hot they? in the summer and in the fall they get some snow in the winter as well well that's why i need to race now because i prefer the cold um so this is one thing that I'm a little bit worried about because it's cold now in the UK. Um, and I'm doing a lot of my training now. Um, it's kind of like, it's not warm, you know, and a lot of my training over there, it's going to be hot. It's going to be different. I mean, it will be, it'll be hot next summer. So I can train in that environment. But at the minute I feel great. And I'm like, yeah, I love this. This is great. Cause I love the cold. But when it comes to like June next year, perhaps I'll be thinking this is actually going to be a lot harder than I thought. Um, <laughs> just cause I love, I love training in the cold weather. Yeah, are you going to do some specific heat training, like a sauna or anything, or just doing runs outside? Funnily enough, um, but the gym that I actually train at in central London has uh, just got a sauna. So I'll definitely be doing some stuff in that. I'll be sitting in that for as long as I can. Um, and what I'm thinking about flying out to a couple of countries as well and doing some training in some hot countries. I'm looking at flying out to Kenya um, at the start of next year to do a bit of training out there just a week, just to try and throw myself out, but not even kind of, acclimatize a little bit but kind of throw myself in the deep end uh, and go from cold to hot and then come back to cold and just see how i react um just another thing just to try just for my body um and see how kind of i go on um but i think i need to get some kind of heat training in because uh, that's the only thing really worrying me um because i don't like running in the heat um, about four years ago i ran in the london marathon uh, and it was the hottest london marathon there was um and i struggled because Oh, I didn't really run as much as what I am now, but the heat really got to me. And I think um, that's kind of a thing in the back of my mind. Um, I need to be able to handle that heat and, and just continue. Because heat's horrible, isn't it? You know you know as well as I do, if you get hot and you get bothered and your heart rate rises straight away. So if you're training at the zone two in the winter, that's probably not the zone two in the summer. 
that's that, that's kind of where you need well what I'm thinking about in my brain. I'm thinking if I'm keeping my heart rate between like one thirty and one fifty and what have you, kind of if I kind of peak a little bit going up a hill and go to one eighty, it might take a long time for that heart rate to come down. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, a good takeaway from the show as well, that like like all these variables can impact your heart rate and your pace. So just because you can go out and run a marathon, say, just for argument's sake, in four hours, doesn't mean that with a 15 kilo pack you're gonna, or however many kilos it is, you're going to run that same four hour marathon, especially when you have to do that again the next day. So there's a lot of variables that are going to affect your heart rate and your performance. And that needs to be taken into account when you do something like this. This is one thing. Um, so I ran on the marathon uh, two years ago, actually, with seventy-five pounds. Um, so that was, but that was that was difficult because it was on. I didn't find it very difficult cardio. My cardiovascular system was fine. It was. I found it difficult on my feet because I was wearing military boots and it was on concrete. And it was like I think it ended up being twenty-nine miles. You know, because you run around people, so it was twenty-nine miles carrying seventy-four pounds. So like thirty-five kg or whatever it is. Um, and I found that difficult more on my feet because of the boots but um yeah so i think with carrying weight um i think that's going to be a strong point for me and I, hopefully that kind of what sets me apart slightly from some of the other athletes not that it's a competitive thing but it is um i want to go there and do well i think carrying kit um i'm really excited about it yeah that'll definitely be an advantage for you um especially coming from us skinny runner guys that <laughs> aren't used to carrying a lot of weight when we we're out there um you're gonna have an advantage in that aspect so that would be fun to watch well this is kind of what i'm, I'm happy about being in the facebook group with, with a lot of the other athletes a lot of the other athletes may never have carried weight and i think there's a quite there's a few athletes from the uk this time so if anyone's listening they are in london and they want to kind of um go for a rook or go out with with some kit on then just let me know because I'll be more than happy to kind of show you how I'd pack my kit and uh, give you some tips on kind of how to pack your kit. Um, I haven't packed it how I'd pack for the race yet because I'm not sure what I want to take, but I know how to pack kit correctly and I know how to kind of how to get your weight distribution correct and kind of how to how to wear it. So that would be uh, a pleasure of mine to help anyone that needs that as well. Yeah, maybe in a few months we can uh, we can connect again and do another show and see how your training's doing, but then also talk about packing and. Because I feel like, and like you're saying, that like you know a lot about it. And it'll be fun to to teach some people how to properly pack a bag. Yeah, I didn't mention it at the start, but I also coach out of a gym in central London. And one of my sessions that I actually take um, is rooking. So yeah, it's called, it's just changed its name. So now it's called Manor Rooking and Running Club. Uh, that's where I have packs here. Um, and people can carry anything from just running body weight all the way up to carrying the last person, the heaviest weight carried was 25 kilos. Um, and then we go and run a specific kind of hour. So we'll go out, we'll go easy. We'll do like 20 minutes easy to an area and then we'll either do intervals or some kind of tempo run. And then we'll come back and uh, run in 20 minutes. Gonna, people love that. People love that kind of military vibe. And I think that's great for people that have never carried weight before to feel how that feels because rucking is a full body kind of experience. People just think, oh yeah, carry it on your back. But the amount of kind of the amount of stability, you've got to have great core stability. You've got to make sure that it's, it's around your shoulders correctly. The weight's at the top. You've got to make sure that it's not bouncing around everywhere on your back so that you, I don't know, it's causing havoc. Because you probably know as well as I do, you've probably been out running and ran behind someone and their bag is literally like going from there to there to there. I did it this morning. I went out on a, on a ruck this morning. I did um, a ruck on tired legs from a long run yesterday. Um, and I was going slow, which sometimes annoys me when someone zooms past me. 
Um, but kind of their bags were just literally, I wanted to say something, but I know it's not my place sometimes, but I'd want to say, please just hot your bag up and then just like kind of like leave it there. Um, because a lot of people do carry kit incorrectly, which is what people may be doing um, on the G2G. You may have seen it before. Yeah, I've seen that, that quite a bit. And I think those people, it, it's good on them for, for going, but they would, they'd have a much better experience if they took a couple minutes and looked at their bag and their kit, like you're saying, and, and figured it out. Because when it swings like that for a week on end, like you get massive chafing and blister issues and it makes the whole the whole week less enjoyable. And if you just took some time to, to go over that, you can enjoy the race a lot more and have a way better time. Well, literally like a majority of the time, by the way, like it's just two things. You just got to pull the two tassels here and just hotch them up. And that is it. That is like 90% of the problem because people seem to have it halfway down their back because they don't want to pull that tight. I love it feeling tight on the shoulders. I think it's great. Yeah, sometimes you get a rub around your shoulders and it feels tight and restricts you, but you know where the weight is. You can feel it, you know, and I think that's one of the, the biggest things. And I'll be pulling people up over there. Don't you worry. If I see a bag swinging, I'll be telling them, oh, tighten that up. Um, and also like a lot of people that struggle with that, you can also get your, your weight bands, can't you? I don't know if people use those, but um, they're great um, additions to your kit. If it doesn't come with kit to put a waistband on and also your chest strap. Um, it's normally better for, for men, obviously with women, they obviously need a little bit of a longer one, but you can get them uh, online. So they do help. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, um, let's wrap it up here, man. That was uh, fun to talk and hear about your background and what you're doing to get ready for Grand to Grand this year. It's going to be awesome. Thank you, for, thank you very much for having me, mate. And uh, I'm looking forward to coming back on next time. We'll talk about the kit and how to pack it and how to distribute that weight. Definitely. And what's your uh, Instagram and stuff so people can look you up? Yep, Instagram is Farren Morgan. That's F A R R E N Morgan. That's right, pretty word. simple and straightforward. I like <laughs> it. That's it. No numbers, <laughs> nothing else in it. Just my name. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks again, Farron. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Derek. See you later, mate.